0: From the Praise Light Media Studios in Panorama City, California, this is Anchor LA. It's Monday, the 31st of July, 2017. Coming this fall, pedestrians in Honolulu, Hawaii will be banned from looking at their phones while crossing a street. The city passed the measure late last week and is the largest U.S. city to enact such a law so far. According to Reuters, there were more than 11,000 injuries stemming from distracted pedestrians between 2000 and 2011. The bill, which goes into effect on October 25th, fines the pedestrian $15 to $35 for a first offense, $35 to $75 for a second offense in the span of one year, and $75 to $99 for a third time. Emergency responders using a phone in the line of duty are exempt, as is anyone calling 911. However, some other cities have come up with solutions, rather than simply generating revenue. Augsburg, Germany has embedded traffic lights into crosswalks in their city for those who are intent on catching up on their devices while getting from point A to point B, and in Antwerp, Belgium, special walking lanes have been installed, designed specifically for cell phone users. While breaking with our usual segment on Anchor LA, some food for thought about Wikipedia, the internet encyclopedia which prides itself in user-edited content. Wikipedia claims the content reflects balanced accuracy because of something called crowdsourcing. The large amount of editors which they claim will balance out any point of view or topic subjected to bias. Sadly, as history has shown time and again, anytime the ability to freely edit something as much in the public eye as any one Wikipedia article is every day, that freedom will be abused and ruined for everyone. But Wikipedia doesn't just suffer from abuse and vandalism, Wikipedia also struggles with the issue of fact versus view. Primarily focusing on the glaring issues from non-neutral points of view within Wikipedia articles, the number of those articles and topics affected is not decreasing, but rather increasing. For example, you can look up high-profile incidents such as the posting of a defamatory hoax article about the journalist John Siegenthaler, which raises serious questions about whether crowdsourcing an encyclopedia, or anything else, can ever work long-term. It comes down to the fact that Wikipedia appeals to a certain group of Internet users, and only a certain group of those users will be the ones editing and creating content on the encyclopedia. This makes the encyclopedia simply a searchable catalog of that group's views and topics, which they consider to be valid or important. Topics and viewpoints held by those not using Wikipedia will not have a voice and will effectually be unrepresented, and content will become skewed over time. This is because any articles happening to cover those views won't be updated or improved as quickly as articles dealing with content which editors deem important or contributing to society. It never takes long to find people who won't use Wikipedia for this very reason, and it takes even less time to find people who disagree with one another on the importance, influence, and accuracy of certain topics or worldviews. Crowdsourcing, especially with a project such as Wikipedia, which attempts to portray articles as reliable fact, not editorials, always relies on editors who are supposed to be impartial but because they are human, have certain worldviews which they may not even consider as slanted, but rather, have never even questioned those views, and feel that those views are generally accepted fact. These views are then filtered into the encyclopedia's content, but at the same time, the same content appears glaringly inaccurate to readers with the opposing views. In actuality, neither editor nor reader have unbiased views, and neither view should be reflected as the way it is in an encyclopedia. Key phrase, should be. Andy Slaffley told The Guardian newspaper that he tried editing Wikipedia and found that factual edits created on high-profile pages, even with references and proof, were removed within 60 seconds by top editors who disagreed personally with those views. In today's politically charged atmosphere with everyone on their own warpath to justify their own view, this issue continues to plague Wikipedia constantly. Slaffly concluded that editing Wikipedia simply is no longer a viable option. Whether it's cause or effect, many of the editors striving for real encyclopedia content have realized Wikipedia's not-so-subtle reliability issue and have put their efforts in other directions. Unfortunately, editing wars, bias, vandalism, and rogue bots reverting or changing articles to inaccurate content causes Wikipedia to be a massive source 5.5 million articles in the English version alone of potentially inaccurate content edited by would be social justice warriors and the like using the once reputable Wikipedia as a platform to pass off their views as undeniable fact. Finally, if users seeking fact are unable to rely on a crowdsourced encyclopedia project as most of the editors subscribe to a particular worldview, that project will fail or simply become an echo chamber of perpetrated facts by the editors and their subservient patrons. Tuning to the beat of a different drum now, you've probably heard of the famous film Chariots of Fire, the story of the 1924 Summer Olympics champion Eric Little, winner of the 400 meters. Born in Tianjin, China of Scottish parents, Eric Little came to the United Kingdom for schooling and attended the University of Edinburgh, where he also became a noted athlete. The movie Chariots of Fire covers the training and subsequent victory in the 1924 Olympics held in Paris, but also contains a subplot of fellow runner Harold Abrahams and his training in race in the same Olympics. The movie starts and ends at the funeral of Abrahams in 1978, and the storyline concludes after Abrahams and Little win the 100 meter and 400 meter in the Olympics. However, not covered in chariots of fire, after the Olympics, Eric Little's life changed dramatically. A year after, in 1925, Eric returned to northern China to serve as a Protestant Christian missionary, first in Tianjin and later in the town of Suzhong, an extremely poor area that had suffered during the country's civil wars and had become a particularly treacherous battleground with the invading Japanese. In 1941, life in China had become so dangerous because of Japanese aggression that the British government advised British nationals to leave. Well, Eric Little's wife Florence and their children left for Canada, but Eric stayed to serve at a rural mission station in Suzong. In 1943, he was forcibly interned at the Weisheng internment camp with the members of the China Inland Mission as well as others little became a leader and an organizer at the camp but food medicine and other supplies were very scarce however even in the camp eric little continued his evangelism by helping the elderly teaching the camp school bible classes arranging games and by teaching science to the children of the families in the camp sadly in february of 1945 Eric Little passed away from a brain tumor, likely aggravated by the conditions of the camp. Just five months later, the camp was liberated by American forces. Because of his birth and death in China, some of that country's Olympic literature lists Little as China's first Olympic champion. Released in 2016 in China, On Eagle's Wings is a brand new movie due for release in the U.S. in 2017 about Eric Little's life in China and focusing on his service while interned in the Japanese camp. challenge as humans on this earth it's wired into us to seek more to pursue the furtherance of something whether it's money houses jobs or life goals and achievements but in Matthew 6:33, we're reminded that believers are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and to quote the verse all these things will be given to you but a word of caution about interpreting this passage Reading the context around this passage shows us that it doesn't mean that if you seek Christ, you'll get what you want. Cars, money, relationships, jobs. What it does mean is that if you seek Christ and his righteousness, he provides the solutions to the questions asked earlier in the chapter. What will we eat, drink, wear, and so on. God, our Father in heaven, will provide for us. He will provide for us for what he knows we need when he knows we need it. Sometimes, though, that's not when we think we need it, even if it's a necessity in our eyes. Because need, in God's terms, always fits with his plans for our future. When we seek Christ, our desires change. We no longer pursue after those earthly things. Rather, we desire the things that He gives, such as a redeemed heart, a thirst for His word, and a love for His people. The more we follow after Him, the more we long for His kingdom. So it's wired into us to seek more. So seek more of him. Long for Christ. Pour your efforts into a pursuit of true happiness and wealth in the knowledge of Christ. Because our wealth is not here on this fallen, broken, messed up world. Our rewards are in heaven and they will last forever for eternity. This is Anchor LA on Twitter at Anchor LA Podcast and Facebook.com slash Anchor LA where you can find links and information to certain topics that we cover in the podcast. Contact us anytime with questions or comments or call into our show directly on the Anchor app. We'd always love to hear from you. Until next time from Panorama City, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Anchor LA.